Hello and welcome to the Wild Minds Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, and that's Nick sitting across the table. We are excited to have you guys here with us. This is, of course, our very first episode. It has been a long time to get here. Lots of research, lots of sitting down, learning our equipment. We're just so excited to be here with you guys today. Uh, Nick, you know, before we start diving too crazy into this podcast, do you want to talk a little bit about how we got here? Yeah, and let's not even start with just the podcast. Let's talk about what this podcast is about, our journey with the outdoors, and probably how that reflects a lot of people's experiences with their understanding of the outdoors and conservation, either they're at where we're at or they're somewhere along the path we've already taken or uh, maybe this will be a little trip down memory lane for some folks. But, uh, well, let's let's start there. So you want to talk about kind of sure. how you grew in the outdoors? Sure. So, you know, I grew up, I would say, moderately involved in the outdoors. Uh, for me, I did, you know, I grew up in a stereotypical log cabin in Kentucky that my parents built, which sounds way more majestic and cool than it actually was. But it was pretty cool. Uh, I did have a forested backyard and everything like that. So I grew up outside, and I liked it, but it wasn't really my thing, honestly, until I was you know, in Boy Scouts. And even not early in Boy Scouts, like later in Boy Scouts, when I started getting involved with backpacking. Uh, and I remember going on these trips called Philmont. If you've ever been to Philmont Scout Ranch, that was where I really, truly fell in love with the outdoors. It was just this vast wilderness, and you know you're walking through it, and you're seeing all these different biomes, and just seeing the diversity that was available, and it was so different than what I grew up in. And then, of course, I went to Lee University, and I got a degree in outdoor recreation, and moved here to Southeast Tennessee, and that was a big change. The environment was a lot more hilly, mountainous than where I grew up. Uh, we also had rivers that. We're not the size of the Ohio River. We have the Hiawassee and Okoye Rivers. Had no idea a river could be so narrow. That was a big change. And just getting to hike and explore around just kind of furthered my passion. Did decide to get a degree in outdoor rec. And yeah, man, I mean, just that led to some really cool job opportunities of taking kids involved in the outdoors, doing summer camp jobs out in Franklin, Tennessee, and then eventually working with Boys and Girls Club as the camps director slash high adventure director slash do anything possible to get kids outside and learning things. It's a lot of hats. There were a lot of hats, my friend, but it was a good place. It was a really good place. And that's kind of how we met. So let's hear your side of the story. Well, I was also in Boy Scouts and that was probably my first kickoff into really engaging with the outdoors. My family camped um, and I would you know, play outside, but even during Boy Scouts, I kind of only viewed the outdoors as this place that you go and visit. And it's very different than being in the suburbs or in the city or in your house. And I was very engaged with learning about nature, especially through like documentaries and stuff. I mean, I was an animal planet and discovery kid. Uh, If that was on the TV, I was glued to the TV. Um, But as far as engaging with the stuff that was around me, that, didn't really happen, but I still enjoyed outdoor recreation quite a bit, especially camping and hiking. But when I went to college, that kind of fell by the wayside. Part of that was because I didn't have good transportation to get to the places where you go and do that around here. Um, and we will be talking about 
what kind of a problem that is at some point in time. But I was a victim of that. Um, and it wasn't until I joined the AmeriCorps VISTA program and started working with you that that kind of passion really started to grow again and a better understanding of my sense of place in the outdoors and what kind of an impact I'm making really started to take off. Um, I think for both of us oh, um, yeah, during that time, sure. but as far as my relationship with the outdoors, um, it's kind of, it kind of had some hills and bumps there and, and I'm actually kind of relearning my relationship with the outdoors now being a dad and a stay at home dad for the most part or a work from home dad, you know, I can't just hop out and go fishing or, or go for, you know, a five mile hike whenever I want to, cause I'm taking care of a baby. And through the winter I was, I, I couldn't go outside because it was just way too cold. I was like, if I go out, he's going to freeze to death. And now it's like, okay, I can slap him on the baby carrier and we'll see how it goes. I've done some shorter hikes and, you know, gone in the park and stuff like that, but it's, it's still kind of, still kind of relearning. Yeah. Well, it's you know, a completely how, different how perspective. Yeah. I, I've, I'm definitely not paying as much attention to what's around me as far as who is right in front of me at all times. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, it is different. Yeah. Well, you know what I really liked is it, it, in both of us talking about our relationships with the outdoors, it's really kind of interesting to notice that divide between being in the outdoors and engaging with the outdoors and how it, that transition was definitely made such a difference for both of us was it a very it was a very conscious decision to start actively engaging more and you know I think that's how we ultimately ended up getting to the point where we were just sitting down having a conversation in a coffee shop one day having conversations about the outdoors and things we learned and it was just like man there is some really cool stuff that we get to talk about that we've both experienced and also, we know nothing <laughs> when it comes. I mean, it's just constantly learning more and more about the world around us. Because the body of knowledge is so vast. Oh, it, it, you're never going to learn everything. Even, even in individual fields, you're not going to learn everything there is to know about it. Or even on the hyper-local level, like just in your own town, you are never going to learn every little bit that you can. And that's what's so much fun about this hobby is that you're never going to get bored with it no that's for sure so yeah everybody is in the outdoors is part of the outdoors that doesn't matter that doesn't matter if you know you're not somebody who goes hiking every single weekend or base jumping off of mountains you are actively part of the outdoors it's whether or not you choose to engage with it and that really is when we decided to start sharing some of the stuff, some of the stories and some of the information we've learned, maybe to kind of help some people kind of start actively engaging more, as well as give people opportunities to start learning. Because as you know, living here in Southeast Tennessee, we're recording in Cleveland, Tennessee. Every time we go to look about something about the outdoors, hiking, backpacking, even just like what kind of wildlife is out here there's not a crazy amount of resources when it comes to Apple, southeastern Appalachia everything you seem to find comes out it's about out west some of these huge landscapes talking about educational resources that is. yes as far as the natural resources the truth is 
there's actually so much here that is underappreciated or, or even just completely flies under the radar of a lot of people. And it's not just people that aren't around here. It's people that, that have grown up here that have no idea what is right in their backyard, literally in their backyard. I think it's a really good point. So for those that don't know, Cherokee National Forest is, we can go out here on Nick's back deck and pretty much see Big Frog Mountain from here. I mean, it's an amazing mountain that I would venture to say probably less than 10% of the people in this area could probably identify. Oh, less than five. Yeah, and it's a major landmark. I mean, it's the tallest mountain between here and the Mississippi River. And it's surrounded by Cherokee National Forest, you know, thousands of acres. And it's got hiking trails. It's got the Hokoe River that goes through it, the Hiawassee. It's a humongous resource. And still people, when they think of going hiking or going in the outdoors, they travel to the Smoky Mountains, which are fantastic. But they don't know what's right here in their backyard. So even if you're listening from someplace other than southeastern Tennessee, a lot of the focus of this podcast is going to be learning about what's around you, really finding resources to start appreciating and to start noticing. Because that was a big thing for both of us, Nick, was you you don't have to go out to Seattle or Olympic National Park or anything like that to to see some absolutely incredible mosses, mushrooms, anything like that. We've got tons in our backyard. I mean, right behind you is is a bunch of pine trees in kind of a urban forested area. I guarantee you we could find some stuff if we went and looked. Oh, yeah. I, I see it all the time. And it's not like I've got woods behind me. There's just another neighborhood right there. It's very suburban, but I can still interact with my local outdoors here. I don't have to go to the park. I don't have to go to the national forest over here or the national park. I mean, it's, it's right here, but before we get ahead of ourselves, so obviously we're going to be talking about conservation, but we're not going to be just sitting here saying, well, you got to start using less plastic. You got to, you know, do this thing, do this thing. Get rid of your straws. We'll we'll tell you, I mean, obviously there's stuff that we can all be doing, but we want to highlight how much recreation or the fun stuff you can do outside goes hand in hand with the conservation and in the way that you can protect that space that we get to have so much fun and and get to learn so much in. Let's talk a little bit about how our view of conservation has changed over the years. I know it's changed a lot for me, but you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. As I kind of alluded at for a second there, um, I was a a TV documentary kid. I loved if there was anything with David Attenborough or the Crap Brothers or Jacques Cousteau. Man, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. That's the man for me. I was on it, um, and I I cared a lot about all those animals, but I didn't give a flip about what was in my backyard. And I, that was what my perspective of what conservation is: that these are the species that need help. The wolves the whales, the lions, they need our help and we need to save these species. These individual, very specific ones that are half a world away. And I was all about that and pretty much kept that perspective all the way through college, a couple years after college. It wasn't really until we started doing the Tennessee Naturalist program, which is kind of like a citizen citizen science program, um, that I started to 
get a better handle of what a more modern view of conservation is because that perspective was very much in vogue during that time and it was kind of going out of style but nowadays what we're more concerned about is biodiversity and that's where we need to be putting our energy and focusing not so much on species but on whole ecosystems so it wasn't until we started it wasn't until we started this program um which the Tennessee naturalist program is is just a, a very localized you know it was it was it's localized to southeast tennessee or, or our, for our chapter um where you just take some time um to go and learn about different sectors of the environment from streams to geology to insects to trees and then you also make a commitment to volunteer to teach about those things, protect those things, do research on those things for the rest of your life um, in order to keep your certification. And it's kind of through that program and really taking that extra time to learn about the space around me, not just, oh, here's what this thing is called and here's what this thing is called, but, but this is how they interact and this is what kind of an impact that makes on this species over here and this group of species over here. And well, because those got in there, got affected this way. Now these things rely on this thing getting that bigger perspective has really changed how I view conservation and one, how much more complex it is, but also how much more important it is to care about that stuff. Important. And then also, you know, for me, it felt so overwhelming when I'm watching shows like this. Like for me, one of my big animals I always cared about was cheetahs. I loved cheetahs. I thought they were the coolest thing in the world. But to have to go all the way over to Africa in order to, quote-unquote, take care of the cheetahs, it just seemed like, oh, well, it's not something I can really help out with is true conservation. When in reality, there are steps that each of us can make on a very local basis to help with the biodiversity in our homes. So for me, uh, I kind of was on a similar track as you. I didn't take as long, I guess, to get... Uh, to where I was thinking more big picture uh, with biodiversity and, you know, conservation and what that looks like and the interconnectedness of species. But I think because of the classes I was taking at Lee. Uh, so that kind of helped with that a little bit, as well as just kind of by sheer dumb luck, some of the cool people I met along the way that were able to kind of steer me in the better right direction, right? But for anybody that lives around my house can tell you one of the big things I do to help make a difference that's very small and easy is that I take forever to cut my grass. We're getting to where it's getting pretty warm outside. I have yet to cut my yard this year. And because of that, it's kind of a wonderful little environment for thousands of different bugs. You know, I have tons of bluebirds, mockingbirds, and goldfinches that set up on the power lines that won't go to other people's front yards, but they hang out in my front yard because the habitat is the grass is tall enough that bugs can actually make homes. And, and all, and people listening to this are going, yeah, that's why I cut the grass because I want to go in my front yard, not have to worry about the bugs. But in reality, how often am I genuinely walking through the grass in my front yard? It's very rare. So I try to back off, you know, Cutting my grass, I try to keep it to four times a year, but sometimes it gets pushed. Often I wait till I get the letter from the city that says, hey, you need to cut your grass. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of like a just a funny anecdote that I like to throw out there. That's my way of making a difference. Is that changing global warming, anything like that? No. 
but it is making a difference in the biodiversity of my yard, which is kind of impressive. And that's a kind of a quick little microcosm of, of what we want to bring to people through this podcast is showing that it could be very easy to get bogged down in those big issues like climate change, like plastic emissions, like all the myriad of, of big issues that you and I just, we can't make a difference in it. We're no. just two regular people. We don't have the money or the means or the time to really mobilize any kind of change. There are people that can do that. And I'm, I'm so glad that they do that. Yeah. And um, I'm happy to support those people. But at the same time, there are smaller things that we can do that make an impact, a bigger impact than one might realize on our local ecosystem. I am sure that it, the changes that your yard is making go beyond the scope of your property lines. Oh, I know for a fact that it does. There, there are wildflowers and trees and all sorts of other organisms in your neighborhood and outside of your neighborhood that are directly benefiting from the fact that there is now a little, a little oasis of life and of resources that otherwise would have been a desert. Most lawns are just a straight up desert for a lot of animals. And I think a really great example. So a takeaway to kind of start getting in this mindset as we're going throughout this first season of our podcast, uh, you know, we're trying to create wild mindedness is that's why we call it the wild minds podcast. So a common thing we've been hearing a lot more about in the last couple of years is save the bees. What does it really take to save the bees? I mean, the idea is, is that it's not really taking bees to the emergency room and getting them healthcare checkups and everything like that. How you can save the bees is actually by protecting the environment and actually by doing things like not putting pesticides on our lawns or crazy thing, not cutting the grasses often because it allows things like clovers and wildflowers to pop up and allows them because the save the bees that we're generally talking about aren't our honeybees, believe it or not. They're actually not from North America. Now, I'm saying this as a beekeeper. I love honeybees, but they can fly up to three miles away. Our local native bee species, they fly about 100 to 200 yards from their home. That's it. So if I've got a yard that's over 100 yards long and I cut down all the wildflowers in that yard the bees in that yard will die because they cannot get food sources other than that. So it is now a desert land for those bees, which is crazy because that does make a big impact, especially when you talk about neighborhoods of kept lawns, that the reason they don't have native bee species is because we treat them with pesticides, we cut the grass super regularly, and there's nothing that they could actually eat. And the easiest way to make a difference in the Save the Bees population is quit cutting your grass as much. I'm not saying to just let it grow 16 feet tall. I just mean you don't need to cut it as often as you think you do. Yeah, or if you can't do that, put in a pollinator garden, which oh, yeah. is just a flower garden. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and make it to where you can still keep your yard nice and kept, but you've got a pollinator garden, and, and start looking up different native plants that you can plant that bloom during different times of year like early spring late spring summer fall late fall that way they can be fed throughout the year it's actually really really neat so we've talked a little bit how you can start to make these changes at home and the big thing is to not focus on these massive systemic issues and get 
downhearted and thinking there's nothing I can do because what ends up ultimately making those big changes is by all of us making those smaller changes um, and taking kind of control of what you can do. Uh, I hope that's not too much of a downer for episode one. You're automatically going in and they're like, whoo, these guys are coming in heavy. But that's one of the reasons why we decided to make a podcast was because we saw all these different things. We were having such great conversations and we wanted a way to share this, go beyond ourselves and to kind of share this with all different types of people. You know, I have friends who hike and all these and backpack and do all kinds of crazy stuff far more than I do. But they probably know less about what they're going through than I do. Um, you know, and by starting to recognize what's around them, you can actually have a much better appreciation for the hiking trails or, you know, going out fishing. Besides just knowing the species of the fish, if you talk to some of these fly fishermen, their enjoyment of fly fishing itself by being able to notice the differences in the, the native bugs, man, those guys, they know it. And they can really have a great time with that kind of stuff. I mean, when I go fishing, I'm probably spending more time looking at birds than looking at the water, <laughs> to be honest. And I have just as much fun. I mean, and then you've also got people who are going to come into this with, they're like, you know, I don't really do the outdoors. I'm listening to this podcast because Nick and Mike are friends of mine. And I said I'd give this a try to, you know, listen to what they're talking about. But, you know, everybody can gain something from this. And by no means are we coming across this as experts. You are talking to, or you're listening to, two amateurs in every sense of the word. Yeah, and you'll notice, I'm sure, that uh, we've titled this first string of episodes as The Trailhead. And we did that intentionally because we want this to be a a shared journey. The Probably the biggest reason that me and Mike are doing this is so that we can learn and just do better at our our acts of conservation and also the, in the way that we do recreation. But we want this to be a communal thing. We want to learn with you and we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And if you can, we encourage you to follow us along on Facebook and Instagram. We are going to have accounts there. So when we talk about specific topics in coming weeks, you know, if you've got information on this topic that you have found for yourself, please post there and kind of share with us what you've learned. We would love to hear your experience because this podcast, like we've said a couple of times, it came together out of conversations at a coffee shop every week and us realizing that we just enjoyed talking about this stuff and we wanted a place to share it with the community. Uh, so if you've got a really cool topic you think we should be covering, you know, send us a message. We'd love to hear it. So that's a little snapshot of what the podcast is about, but what's really coming up, Mike? So coming up here in the next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about recreation and how to get involved in the outdoors. So if you're listening and you're an avid hiker, you know, we might mention some things that might make your hiking experience even more enjoyable. If you are somebody who does not get involved in the outdoors and you actively avoid it, I really do encourage you to listen to our next episode because we're going to talk about some basic intro to the outdoors that I think that everyone can have some enjoyment from. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
Well, Nick, I think that about sums it up for this episode. Is there anything else you want to add? All I want to do is start heading down this trail. We're at the trailhead. Let's go. All right, man. Let's get going. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our Patreon if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash wildminds. If you're listening somewhere where you can rate the show, please do that. We'd really appreciate it. Spotify is the main one that does that. Mike is on Instagram at Skyline Speeder, and I'm at Wildmind Nick. And you can keep exploring and keep being wild.